bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you can join us. I'm Paul Dragoo. In case of a Trump victory in 2024, it looks like the establishment is locking down progress that is made toward a one world order. The national defense bill that was just approved includes a provision that bars the U.S. president from unilaterally pulling the U.S. out of NATO. Also, Illinois landowners just scored a victory after a county board denied a permit to a company that wants to drill carbon dioxide wells. Plus, the new American Steve Bonta is back from COP28 climate conference in Dubai, and he's going to debrief us on what happened there. We have those stories coming up. Plus, a conversation with John Birch Society Research Manager Christian Gomez about how you can help apply pressure to slash federal spending. But first, the national security state just got its way again, and it wouldn't have happened without complicit Republicans. Establishment Republicans joined Democrats to pass the national defense bill without a single reform to the spying provision, Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA. This soured a lot of Republicans who had higher hopes for House Speaker Mike Johnson. An Axios article titled House Freedom Caucus Compares Mike Johnson to John Boehner cites an internal memo written by Freedom Caucus members slamming Johnson's handling of the NDAA and likening him to former Speaker John Boehner, a neocon figure who resigned thanks to pressure from Freedom Caucus members. Congressman Tim Burchett of Tennessee expressed his frustration when he tweeted, We sold you out. The NDAA allows FISA, pays for sex change surgery, and covers up UAP and spends over $886 billion. Congressman Chip Roy of Texas told The Hill in part, what's being stated is that it's impossible to oppose the NDAA because we put something in there that is seemingly so important that we have to ignore the critical destruction of our civil liberties. Section 702 was a last minute addition to the thousands page NDAA for fiscal year 2024. It was enacted in 2008 under the Bush administration. And what it did is it legalized a covert federal warrantless surveillance program. Intel agencies have used 702 to conduct warrantless backdoor searches of Americans' private electronic communications, and it has done so deliberately on hundreds of thousands of occasions, despite having been caught and supposedly reformed multiple times. Here's Congressman Roy on the House floor talking about what a bad idea it was to add 702 to the NDAA. But we are doing a terrible disservice to the people of this country by piling on an extension of a FISA regime that was abused, notably, clearly abused against American citizens without reforming that piece of legislation, by kicking the can down the road, by extending it not just through April, but through April of 2025. A vote for this bill is not just a bill for pay raises and support for our men and women in uniform. A vote for this bill is a perpetuation of the woke policies undermining our military, breaking down morale, driving down recruiting, and now undermining the civil liberties of the American people by not reforming FISA. Before it was approved, House Speaker Johnson promised there would be a standalone vote on Section 702, but never, that never happened. But in the Senate, Rand Paul of Kentucky organized a tough fight to remove 702 from the NDAA. Paul needed 41 votes to make that happen. He was six shy. The final vote was 65 to 35. 
Republican populists largely voted with Rand Paul. Even Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren voted to separate 702 from the NDAA. But the rhinos saved the day. Former Republican presidential candidates Tim Scott of South Carolina, Mitt Romney of Utah, Marco Rubio of Florida, and even Ted Cruz of Texas all voted to keep 702 in. It's probably not surprising that Lindsey Graham voted for it as well, but so did Republican tough talker Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. These six Republicans alone made sure the security state got what it wanted. And speaking of the security state, naturally, it was satisfied. Matthew Olson, Assistant Attorney General for the National Security Division, said in a statement, We are relieved and grateful that Congress recognizes that allowing Section 702 to lapse even temporarily would be catastrophic to U.S. national security and the safety of the American people. We cannot afford to be blinded to the many threats we face from foreign adversaries, including Iran and China, as well as terrorist organizations like Hamas and ISIS. Journalist Glenn Greenwald, whose exclusive with Edward Snow 10 years ago revealed to the world how intrusive the NSA is, credited the bill's passing to the security state's influence. Here he is explaining how it always gets what it wants. The U.S. security state is incredibly sprawling. The CIA, the FBI, the NSA, the Pentagon, they have enormous amounts of power and money in Washington. They Elected officials come and go, presidents come and go, those people continue to run Washington. And they have all kinds of ways to grease people's wheels, to give them benefits, to threaten to punish them, to withhold contracts that might benefit their district or their state, or to give a contract that can benefit someone's re-election campaign, as long as they deliver the votes on the things most important to the U.S. security state, and they always end up with the whatever sufficient majority they need. Joining me to discuss today's stories is executive senior editor of the New American Magazine, Steve Bonta. Welcome back, Steve Bonta. Salam alaikum, Paul. A little Arabic there for you. Well, glad you brought that back. Yeah, a little bit. So, um, is this the end of uh, MAGA Mike's honeymoon phase here? Well, it certainly looks like it. I mean, this this is we we all kind of knew this was going to happen because while there have been some positive changes of late in Washington, the deep state still has a stranglehold on everything that's happening. Witness the fact, you know, exhibit one, they're still taking down Trump, you know, despite what the polls are saying. Yeah. If people are deeply dissatisfied, despite all the squawking in Congress and in the House, Trump is still being hung out to dry by these by these characters. Now, you know, I, I, I think it bears mentioning, of course, what the, the rationale that's being served up for, for, for security is. It, well, it's, it's security. We, you know, we need these tools. They yeah. always say we, we must have these but tools. But surely there's because, some, but, but, something but I to think, that. Well, well, I think, but I think what this does is it, is, it, is it serves to illustrate, I think, very well how empire creates its own accelerating rationale. Okay, because while it is true that America has always had national security issues, we've always had enemies abroad, it is also substantially true that most of the enemies that we have today would not be our enemies, or at best would be perhaps malignantly indifferent to us on the other side of the world, a country like Iran, for example, were we not actively and aggressively and forwardly deployed Everywhere. In there, everywhere in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, were we not acting as the world's policemen? We have created, I mean, there's a reason, for example, that terrorists don't target Switzerland and, and only very seldom target, oh, I don't know, Norway mm. or something like this. They target the United States 
and a certain other small handful of countries yeah. that, that they perceive as being responsible, rightly or wrongly. Well, you know, I can't imagine so. how it would it would not behoove them to think it's like clearly they're going to not be happy about our our presence there, just like we would not be happy about some other nation's presence in our nation. So, well, and I mean, this isn't to idealize. It. I mean, it, there 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 was terrorism in the past in the United States. For example, someone deton- still unknown to this day, presumably anarchists of some stripe, detonated a big a big wagon of explosives in Walmart mm. more than a uh, well, it's not Walmart in Wall on Wall Street. Uh, more than a hundred years ago, and uh, killed a bunch of people, and this kind of thing, and so, and and a lot of you know the radicalism, you know the Haymarket Rebellion and so forth in the late nineteenth century, um, was clearly connected to yeah. overseas influence, you know, radicals and 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 communists in Europe and this kind of thing. So this isn't a new thing, and certainly. It is true that, you know, subversion abroad has, has been a problem from the very beginning in the United yeah. States. But it's also true that so, – so, so in other words, if we were to return substantially to the foreign policy posture, the interventionist posture of the founders, that doesn't mean all of our problems would magically go away. They would still hate us in the Middle East and elsewhere, mm-hmm. to be sure. And there would still be a non-zero danger of terrorist activity and some corresponding need to protect against it. But nothing like what we have now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning also that I think the the Pentagon just failed like its fifth audit in a row or <laughs> something like that. So uh, there's a major chunk of money. I had it somewhere in here, like just tons, a pile. We'll call it a pile of money that, that is unaccounted for. They don't know where it went. This is a very irresponsible Defense Department. And for us to continue funding it without at least removing these um, is obviously frustrating, and it's obviously frustrating also that we have all these neocons who made it happen. I mean, what is wrong with separating this? No one is saying that we want to be in danger. We're just saying, let's separate these things so we can, we can do better. Thanks, Steve. After this, Steve tells us what happened at the climate conference in Dubai that made it so depressing an event. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Well, hey, folks, The New American has published our latest collector's edition bookazine. It's called Self-Reliance Foundation of Freedom. If we don't practice individual responsibility and provide for ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. This polished collector's edition includes articles on a number of topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, financial self-reliance, and many other important topics. We encourage you to get a copy. It'll make a great stocking stuffer. You can order copies at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. So, all right, 
So Steve Bott, our executive senior editor here, spent a good part of last two weeks in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, and he was attending the COP28 climate conference. It's so glad, we're, like I said, we're, we're glad to have you back, Steve, but what news do you bring? Uh, I had mentioned that uh, you had called it a depressing event. Uh, uh, so let's start out with that. It's like, what made it so sad and depressing over there uh, in Dubai? Well, okay, well, let's, let's start out with something not depressing. Dubai itself, <laughs> as Middle Eastern locales go, is actually quite pleasant. Okay. okay. I got lots of sun. Even though it's a police state. Even though it's a police, well, they're all police states in that part. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, every, you know, everybody's a police state now, including us. So I don't know. In any event, um, yeah, so I got lots of sun. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of sand. Yeah. There are a lot of Arab people, but there yeah. are also a lot of people from South Asia and other parts of the world. It's, it's an interesting kind of melting pot uh, society. Okay. Wonderful food. And so, I mean, it's not a place that I would necessarily choose to go on vacation, but a lot of people do. Or a honeymoon. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has a lot of, uh, it has a lot of beaches and a lot mm. of um, swank resort hotels. And of course, the world's tallest building, the Burj Khalifa and these big shopping malls and, yeah. you know, lots of expensive cars tooling around. It's kind of interesting. In, if, if that's what floats your boat. Okay. Mm. So let's talk know, about the event. So given all of that it, it, and, and the foods, did I mention the food? The food's very good. But anyway, so, so given all of that in the midst of this, this, this country, which by the way, I mean, Dubai is part of the United Arab Emirates, which mm. is a group of, I think there are nine of them in all, excuse me, seven, seven Emirates, which is it's sort of a federated monarchy and Emirate being, you know, basically a, a kingdom in Middle Eastern terms. And um, they're, they're, they're all very wealthy because they've got lots of oil. Mm. Okay. And so I guess this gives you an idea. Of, uh, Not the, anymore. They're going to phase it out, Steve. Well, the, the, you know, the, this sort of gives you an idea of the utter lack of, of a sense of irony, I guess, among yeah. the people that organized this event, that they would, would choose a country whose entire economy <laughs> is, it, it depends on the extraction of petroleum and natural gas and selling yeah. it all around the world. And... The set, one of the two central themes of the event is we're going to phase out, not phase down, but phase out completely within the next few years, mm. all use of fossil fuels yeah. worldwide, starting with the countries that consume it the most and, mm. and correspondingly buy it the most yeah. from places like the UAE. So then people are, you know, feign shock and outrage when the, the UAE officials, this guy named Sultan Al-Jaber in particular, who happens to be the UAE's like minister of oil or something like that. Yeah. He, you know, but, but pretty much all the sheikhs there have their hands in the, I mean, that, that's how they make their money, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it turns out in the conference, first of all, this guy Al-Jaber apparently several months ago said, said something like, you know, the science doesn't support this idea of phasing out all fossil fuels. And somebody, some enterprising leftist journalist unearthed these comments several days into the conference. This created a great furor. And then also it turned out that he and other oil states, Qatar and so forth, that were, that were present, were, were happily using the occasion because, of course, all these heads of state were there and, and so forth. So a lot of networking possible. They, they were cutting deals. Yeah, that's you know. how funny. Yeah, so it's great. Like I mean, oil and frank, deals? And frankly, you know, as I, and as, as I said in the, I mean, I never thought if you told me a few weeks ago that there, there would be an event that could cause me to say, to, to, to become enthusiastic about a Middle Eastern police state. Yeah. I, I would have said, come on. But in this case, 
my attitude was, you go, UAE. Well, didn't, didn't, you know, Putin, drill, also, baby, drill. didn't Putin also come for a visit to, to work some... Uh, oh, some, yeah, he, some... yeah, he showed up. He didn't come to the COP28 event, but he was, he was in Dubai, and he was also in Abu Dhabi, which is the yeah. political capital of, of the UAE, and apparently was jetting back and forth between these venues with an escort of Russian fighter planes. And yeah, yeah. All this type of thing, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, I mean... So, so as far as you want now, to, to go to your original question, so the event itself, you know, in contrast to the, the, the sun and the sand, the general, you know, Bonhami that one encounters in Dubai, to the extent that one can find this in a sober, conservative Middle Eastern country. You, the, the event is held in this place called the Expo 2020, which is this huge venue mm. built by the government to accommodate the World's Fair, the Expo, you know, the Expo in 2020. So it's only a few years old. And it's this enormous, sprawling complex. And... Uh, they had divided into two areas: the green zone, which is where all the unwashed can go, and that was that was filled with um, all sorts of propaganda and rather dazzling propaganda, I have to say, yeah. high tech light shows and stuff, oh, yeah. showing the benefits of cli- you know the climate, oh, energy, yeah. all this stuff. And then there was a separate area called the blue zone, which is where people who are credentialed, including myself, you know, was able to get you know pr- press credentials, go, and that's where all the action is. Okay, and so. The atmosphere in the blue zone in particular was one of absolute sobriety with, you know, thousands upon thousands of, you know, suited elites from all around the world going about, you know, speaking in hushed tones about the absolute need to, to, uh, to keep 1.5 alive and to, uh, to, um, to make sure that the global stock take was a success. All these weird buzzwords yeah. and phrases. 1.5 being the, the increase in, in temperature. Yes. So, that, so, so that refers to the notion. And, and it strikes me as a very arbitrary number, but I'm sure there are people much smarter than I who know all about the climate mm-hmm. who would be happy to explain why it is that as long as we can keep man-made cli- or global warming to, with, to, to 1.5 degrees Celsius or less, we will be able to avert global catastrophe. Yeah. But if it exceeds that by any degree, 1.6, 1.7, 1.8, or heaven forfend, 2.0 or 2.5, we're the, done. The ineluctable consequence will be runaway global warming, uh, dissolution of the world's glacial ice caps, mm. um, and general havoc. Yeah. On the scale of the movie, you know, the day after tomorrow, or or, or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was depressing for me to see all these, you know, at, at least superficially well-educated people, accomplished people, who actually believe, yeah, this farrago of nonsense. Uh, you, you know, a, 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 you know, it, it's it's outright fraud. It's been demonstrated many times. This is fraudulent. Um, ironically, while we were there, there was snow in the Arabian Peninsula. Is that normal? A fairly rare event. The highest mountain range in the Arabian Peninsula is only a few thousand feet above sea level. Uh-huh. And it's basically in the, the subtropical and tropical, you know, latitude. So it's, it's very warm, even the wintertime. I mean, every day, the temperature got up yeah. to 78, 80 degrees. Very wow. nice. And yet and this there was is winter? Snow. This hmm. is winter. Yeah, there was snow. And also, many of the private jets ferrying the European elites down to the <laughs> event got stranded in Europe because Europe was, cut, was, was snowed up. There was a deep freeze all across, yeah. you know, Germany and, you know, the UK and Scandinavia. And, and the planes were literally frozen to the runways. Yeah. You say that's God chiming in. He's got a little sense. He's got a little wink there. I, I don't know. Well, anyway, so, so, the two, so the two main goals of the conference, number one, were to f- formalize the transfer of wealth mm. in the name of loss and damage, you know, yeah. climate reparations or indemnification mm. 
from the rich to the poor countries, yeah. which was first sort of brought into play last, last year's COP27. That was one goal. Mm-hmm. And the goal was to get to the point where, you know, we, we, it has to happen by 2025. And the other was to ensure that, that, they, that they put in place a document guaranteeing not the phase down, but the phase out of all fossil fuels. Yeah. They accomplished the former but and they fell short on the latter, much to the chagrin of all the elites there. Well, that's good news. That's not so depressing, is it? It sounds like no. what I've heard from you and Alex, who was also there, is that the resistance seems to be getting a little more pronounced. People, as it gets closer, nations and leaders are saying, this is ridiculous. We can't afford to do this. So reality is starting, it's, they're starting to butt up against reality, is it not? Well, possibly. I mean, there are countries like the UAE and Venezuela and Iran and Iraq and Qatar mm-hmm. and Bahrain and Kuwait and all the rest yeah. that are, let alone communist China that depends on fossil fuel production, including yeah. coal, by the way. Right, right. Um, you know, that are never, ever going to do this. But they're happy to encourage, you know, their adversaries Us. in the West to do, the, to do it right, to ourselves. Right. So we become weaker, deindustrialized, so our economy crashes and all that. There's, we have, we'll have some news on that tomorrow. Thanks, Steve. Up next, are the globalists preparing for a Trump victory by locking down their progress? Home, food, protection, daily necessities for your family. There are many that want you to depend on them for these things. Don't fall for the trap. Stay self-reliant. Get a copy of our latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance. Learn about the necessity of self-reliance for a free people and basic tips on how to get there. Never give up hope. Folks, for more news and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of The New American. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth about the attacks on our nation from within and without since 1985. No other magazine has been as accurate for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You can get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then on the drop down, press subscribe. If you prefer, you can call 1-800-727-8783 Monday through Friday from five, from eight to five central time. That's 800-727-8783. All right. So let's look at our next stories. Last Wednesday, Democrat Senator Tim Kaine and Republican Senator Marco Rubio applauded Senate passage of legislation that bars the president from withdrawing from NATO without Senate approval or an act of Congress. The legislation was included in the Annual Defense Authorization Act, or NDAA. The next day, the House passed the identical version of the legislation, which was then sent to President Biden, who is expected to sign it into law. Senators Kane and Rubio are big supporters of NATO, as are many of their fellow Republicans and Democrats. Kane believes that NATO has held strong in response to Putin's war in Ukraine and rising challenges around the world. And according to Rubio, NATO serves as an essential military alliance that protects shared national interests and enhances America's international presence. Well, Steve, this indicates that they really believe there's a chance that Trump, despite all the cheating and all the pushback, might actually win. And uh, is it even should the president even have the power to go into or withdraw with uh, into NATO? Well, there's a couple things here. I mean, to unpackage. First of all, I mean, technically, NATO, like the United Nations, is is a treaty-based organization, and of course, per the Constitution, entry into any treaty requires first requires you know the president 
needs to negotiate, can negotiate and sign treaties, but he has to do so with the advice and consent of the Senate, mm-hmm. which is interpreted to mean that the Senate has to do what's called ratify a treaty yeah. for it to be valid. So in a number of cases, for example, the Law of the Sea Treaty, uh, the Senate has never ratified that treaty, but U.S. presidents have signed it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's been signed by U.S. presidents, and so U.S. presidents say, in effect, you know, that we're going to, you know, to abide by this treaty, even though technically we don't have to. Right. The question is now, under the Constitution, does the president, does the executive branch have the authority unilaterally to renege, to, to exit a treaty right. that has been thusly ratified by the Senate? Obviously, they're indicating so, that he does, which is why they're making it harder. Well, I mean, for I, I know that a... obviously, uh, you know, the, the Donald Trump withdrew us from, the, you know, from the Paris Accord. And I, I believe at that time, though, it had not yet been ratified by the Senate. And the same is true. You know, I think he withdrew us from the, from the World Health Organization. Yeah. And so, UNESCO. Yeah. And UNESCO. So there's, so there's some concern, obviously, that should he get he or someone else like him ever get elected, that they might just go ahead and, and withdraw us. From the UN itself, yeah. or something like that, or the NATO, NATO, which is just as important, I think. Is this um, is this an indication you think that the anti UN message is finally catching on? We've done a few segments on that. Right. I mean, we even had Sean Hannity of all people <laughs> say, "Hey, we need to get yep. out of the UN." You think that's what this is indicating? Well, it could they're, be. I mean, what, it. What, what what a what one deep state mouthpiece once called America's berserker nationalism, or no, berserker nativism was the term that he used, is certainly come back to the fore, thanks to the MAGA movement and, and, and yeah. other, other criteria like that. And um, uh, I, I don't know, frankly, yeah. but it, it looks, it, this certainly looks as though, you know, the deep state, which is nothing if not strategic in terms yeah. of, you know, I mean, I think the Trump election in 2016 caught them by surprise. If he gets reelected in 2024, it won't catch them flat-footed. No, They'll no. be ready for him. Yeah. And, and this is probably part and parcel of that. And this might so, not be the last, the last measure No, it may take. not. We may see more of this sort of thing. Absolutely. You know, th- th- this is what these guys do. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Let's look at our final story here. So landowners battling carbon capture and sequestration in Illinois got a victory last week. On Thursday, the McLean County Board denied an application by One Earth Sequestration, LLC, to drill three carbon dioxide wells. In a near unanimous vote, the rest objected on the basis of safety issues. Leah Klein, chairman of the Land Use and Development Committee, summed up the board's concerns this way. During some 10 hours of hearings, we learned that one our sequestration does not yet have their EPA well permit, nor do they have the internally required approval of the, re- the emergency and remediation plan, which is targeted at protecting drinking water and they do not have an emergency or remediation plan for the above ground accidents in place. We were told that they were working on such a plan and reaching out to various EMA and public safety entities, but these plans were not presented to the ZBA, nor was any plan for provisioning local emergency responders with adequate training and equipment. In their verdict, the ZBA stipulated that One Earth needs to develop and fund a safety and emergency response plan before any building permits may be issued. However, this plan will not be reviewable by the county board. It will be rendered to the director of building and zoning. And with all respect that Mr. Dick is owed, until I can review such a plan and understand the arrangements that One Earth has made to protect the health and safety of the public, I cannot in good conscience vote to, to issue a special use permit at this time. Well, property owners were happy with that news, but their fight is far from over. 
In her next breath, Klein seemed to encourage carbon capture by saying that, quote, a vote to deny the special use permit today will not serve one earth with a fatal blow to their sequestration plans, end quote. She pointed out that the company can reapply after meeting code requirements, and she said that it's her job to ready the county administratively for CO2 projects. That is hardly music to the ears of Illinois farmers pushing for carbon pipeline moratoriums and eminent domain protection, or for those who are concerned about the inherent risk of carbon sequestration. This is why the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. It's a lesson farmers in the Dakotas have learned. Even though they've witnessed victories over carbon capture permit applications, they realize the stakes are high for hopeful companies and the billions of dollars they stand to gain from federal subsidies. An attorney representing many landowners appeared earlier today before the North Dakota Supreme Court in Bismarck. Brian Jord is protesting the fact that one, com one company, Summit Carbon Solutions, made surveys of many farmers' land in the Dakotas without permission. He told the New American by email, I will be arguing that North Dakota's survey access laws are unconstitutional because they provide no notice, are limitless, and provide no just compensation. Summit Carbon Solutions plans a 2,100-mile carbon capture pipeline through the Great Plains. On the other hand, one of sequestration LLC in Illinois intends to capture carbon dioxide from its ethanol plant in Gibson City and bury it approximately seven miles away. Though the pipeline would be much shorter than Summit's, the dangers of each are equally serious. All right, Steve. So uh, this is far from over, but... And you thought wind farms were, were boondoggles. Well, Holy this... cow. I mean, you realize that the, the, these, these projects, if realized, are going to cost megabucks, vast amounts of money, and will achieve exactly nothing. They're yeah. entirely negative in impact. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's nothing, unlike, you know, spending money to build a bridge or a highway, people quibble, quibble about the mm -hmm. cost benefit of that. But these are built entirely in the service of the big lie that we talked about in an earlier segment, this yeah. whole climate nonsense. CO2 well, is the gas of life for crying out loud. These, these series of victories that we've reported on and off and, and uh, that we've reported and, and then, of course, uh, some of the their victories, because these people are determined and they have everything, but it seems like the people on their side. So they have the money, they have the political clout, they have everything to make these things go through, except it seems like they haven't captured all the local uh, the local structures there to make it happen. And this is key. This is why we push here at the John Birch Society, especially uh, involvement and organization, because they just haven't captured everything. And that's the only way we can win. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would... At, at times, it does look pretty hopeless, because yeah. at, at a certain point, if things progress to such a pass... It will get to the point that what the locals think and what local governments say won't matter. Well, and that's because clearly we're seeing what they more want to get. and more and more consolidation of power at the apex. What what shouldn't be the apex? Yeah. You know, supposedly, this country was an inverted pyramid where the federal government is essentially the, the in the service of the states and and yeah. so forth. You know, and they severally to the people themselves. But now we very clearly have this monolithic structure top down. And the federal government is increasingly calling the shots unopposed. Yeah, but it, it, it's not complete, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. And so we need to make sure that... May it ever remain so. Right. Up next, Christian Gomez discusses how you can help slash federal spending. Life. Liberty. 
and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence proclaims God-given rights, and we intend to protect them. Working with people like you for over 50 years, preserving freedom and building a better tomorrow. Safeguarding the Constitution by limiting government power. We are restoring liberties, educating voters, and leading the freedom movement. Join with us. United, we will defend our rights. We are all Americans. We are the John Birch Society. So John Birch Society Research Manager Christian Gomez joins us to discuss one of the most important issues we face as a nation. Hi, Christian. Hello, Paul. Thank you for having me on. Yes, yes, you're always welcome. So tell us about um, spending. Spending is it's top three, I'd say. I don't know how, you know, I don't, there's a lot of things going on yes. there, but uh, uh, as an organization that emphasizes action, uh, we got a few things going on as far as spending goes. Yes, huh? well, here at the John Birch Society, we always emphasize that, that, that the spending that the House of Representatives does, because that, that's where spending should originate, according to the Constitution, mm -hmm. from the House, not from the Senate. I know they like to take bills passed in the House, gut them of their tax, and put new text in there, but that's not really constitutionally sound. But anyway, uh, when it comes to the House of Representatives, we have, you know, we, we all know we have the new speaker, Mike Johnson, who's supposedly supposed to be better than the last speaker, Kevin McCarthy. Mm. And all we've seen from uh, um, Speaker Johnson when it comes to uh, congressional spending has been to kick the can down the road, and that's exactly what they've done this time. They've, they have adjourned for the Christmas uh, on holiday uh, break there in D.C. The House, the Senate still is, is still in D.C. this week, but the House has left. They've adjourned. They won't be back till. Uh, most likely they won't be back till next year. Yeah. And they haven't agreed on any major uh, spending plan. So we're going to see what happens in the Senate because Biden wants to, um, what Biden is angling for, he wants uh, more, fending, more spending for Ukraine because we're being told they have no money for Ukraine. Yeah. And if they don't get money for Ukraine, the sky is going to fall. Right. So we need to, re we need to fund Ukraine. And in that package that, that Biden's proposing, he has uh, spending for Ukraine, spending for uh, Israel, and to get Republicans who aren't too favorable of spending uh, on those issues to get them on board, that he's willing to make um, border uh, concessions, border concessions, and, and uh, which is which is angering uh, some on on the far on the far left in the House who are um, not happy with Biden, who don't like borders, yeah, don't like borders <laughs> and don't like Israel. How dare he? Um, and some of them may even like Russia for other reasons. Yeah. But but anyway, so the House is left without making a, any major um, um, progress on the spending bill. And the, the, the thing that the media is all concerned about is that, is that the, if the House doesn't pass uh, a major spending bill, we're going to have automatic spending. Automatic spending cuts. Oh I mean, no! That's so terrible. That's right? terrible. I mean, I mean, then the sky will really fall. You know, I think at this point it would be best <laughs> if they just uh, agree to nothing, and Mike Jansen should just he should hold the line. Uh, actually demand more than what they've been demanding before in terms of the conservatives and more cuts. Yeah. And let there be let there be a government shutdown. Let there be um, uh, spending cuts because the way things are going right now, 
what, what, what we are likely to see is just more kicking of the can, more spending at previous levels. And, and that's why a lot of Republicans and yeah. conservatives like ourselves, the John Birch Society, constitutionalists, Americanists, we're, we're not too happy uh, with, with, my, with the last spending bill that came out of Mike Johnson's house, which included spending at all the previous levels from yeah. when Pelosi was speaker, including spending for abortion. Well, like we had mentioned in the first segment, Mike Johnson was also critical to this NDAA going through as as it uh, it seems like almost exactly as the Democrats have wanted. But not only that, with that atrocious Section 702 of FISA, uh, even though there was an attempt to separate that. So uh, it seems like Mike Johnson is turning out to be not so MAGA Mike, huh? Yeah, it, 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 it's hard to say he's he's far a far right extremist like the left would have you um, uh, believe if you read their articles yeah. and watch their news coverage. I mean, it seems like Mike Johnson. Uh, I, I feel bad for him in the sense that he's in this position that has a lot of stress and pressure. But yeah. rather than rising to the occasion and using that position, he's the power of the purse, he's he? caving into. Uh, the demands of yeah. uh, Chuck Schumer and and President Biden, and he needs to not do that. Yeah. So we have a alert. We've had this alert for a while, but we encourage everyone uh, before you uh, go to celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever holiday you're going to celebrate in the next few uh, days and weeks, uh, go to jbs.org and and click on our slash unconstitutional federal spending alert. It's under the federal alerts, mm-hmm. and you can send there a pre written message. But we always encourage you out there to. Tailor it. Uh, to tailor it so it's not a cookie cutter message. Put it in your own words, but ask your congressman, your member of the House, your U.S. Senator to uh, cut spending, to cut all, slash all of the unconstitutional spending. Yeah. Um, we well, don't need and to, we also yeah. provide other ways to call, right? We encourage Absolutely. calling, texting, and of course, if you're in the neighborhood or if you can make it, show up to the Capitol. Absolutely. Of course, the House is not in, since, since the House is not in session. Oh, yeah, there's no point they, in that right They now. won't be there. They may, they may have some staffers who are there to take the phone calls and you mm. probably could visit with. If you happen to be in the yeah, D.C. Yeah. area, why not? Uh, but, the, but, um, but yes, through our legislative alerts, you can send a, um, mm. uh, you, you, a phone call through the alert as well. Even a short little 30-second video, which is not a lot of time, but you could... Right, them, hey, right. We make spending. it. A, we make it all possible. What would you say to people who think it's like, law? you guys and... You know, go and call and text or whatever. Can't you see uh, the, you know, the this is already decided. This is what's going to happen one way or another. Uh, what would you say to those people that this isn't in vain? This does work. At some point, the pressure kicks in. It's kicked in before here and there. But it is a matter of keeping it going, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not in vain because all the spending has to come from the House of Representatives. Uh, honestly, we have the advantage. Constitutionalists have the advantage because um it's our side that has the well our, those leaning on our side i'll say have the majority in the house of representatives and if we apply enough pressure we can stop this whole uh, uh gravy train from going in the direction that biden wants it we have this power if if we uh, continue spending at the previous spending years uh, spending levels from previous years that is um then that's a failure n- not because of biden and schumer but because the the so-called conservatives in the House leadership have failed to act because they, they've been given a, a mandate to govern yeah. when they won the election in 2010. Uh, so let's not squander that because if they squander it now, what message is that sent to voters in 2024? Mm. So should we reelect the, the, 
uh, the same people to Washington, or should it should just not even bother voting? Well, let's send the right message to the American people by showing the American people that you are still listening to us. So send these messages, apply that pressure, go to them during town halls. A lot of these folks, um, more than not, are running for re-election. Yes, there's many that aren't running for re-election, yeah. but most are still running for re-election. Be at those town hall events, at those campaign uh, events, at those campaign fundraisers, whatever's going on in your community to re-elect uh, the, the current uh, House or Senators, uh, House member or Senators, and, and show them their scorecards. In fact, what I love about the congressional scorecard, it shows their uh, the cost per household of these bills. So uh-huh. when they pass these things, uh, the, the spending bills, or even when they don't pass but they had a vote on them, we show the vote breakdown. And that pressure is, uh, I would say, key to, to showing other constituents, hey, l- look how much of your tax dollars your congressman has just wasted yeah. away or has helped save. And, and they can even show that to their congressman, right? Uh, yes. You know, it's like, here's what you've, your vote has cost us. We have to shift the 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 balance the the balance of pressure right now it seems like and it has for a long time uh, a majority of the pressure comes from whether it be the lobby groups the deep state you know various tentacles here and there and i would think we have to get to a point where the pressure they feel most and the voices they hear most is actually of the people and i would argue we're getting there mm-hmm. there's more constitutionally minded uh congressmen yes. there's more uh, there, it's building. I mean, we just ran the story about how you know they included in the NDAA provision that prohibits the president from withdrawing from NATO. That to me is an indicator that they know what's coming. That the tide has been churning. Mm-hmm. So those who perhaps are listening and they're saying, you know, and they're disillusioned because a lot of the news that we report is not so great news. Mm-hmm. We we see things where they're, but we are in a battle, and there's a lot to suggest that first of all, public opinion has churned. Now it's a matter of of I don't I don't know if weaponizing is the right word, but um, f- uh, funneling or using that energy from the people to overpower the the the, the other energy uh, from from the lobbyists and the deep state and all the other interests that are contrary to those of the people. I'm actually encouraged when I look at the Freedom Index, which the new one's coming out very shortly, and you see all the hundreds and nineties percentiles that that are there because back in the nineties. They yeah. only had like 100, and that was Ron Paul. Yeah. And now we have a lot more than that. So uh, the tide is moving in our direction. Absolutely. And uh, we, thank you, Birchers, for your great work and supporters. And thank you for Christian. Keep up the good work, guys. And go get that Freedom Scorecard, jbs.org or at thenewamerican.com. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of New American Daily. You get more truth behind the news at thenewamerican.com. We hope you join us again tomorrow.